uh, in the middle of the sermon, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. So if you want to sneak out right now to the kitchen, grab a cracker, grab some juice, we would like to encourage you to do that uh, so that you can participate along with us. Uh, second thing, uh, I want all of you to know, as several uh, South Carolina fans have asked me not to mention the football game yesterday uh, where uh, Carolina lost to the Florida Gators, so I promise I'm not going to mention it. Uh, third thing is um, uh, Friday was Veterans Day, and we would like to take just a moment to honor the veterans uh, who are with us and to honor those who still serve, who currently serve. And we're going to ask you to make yourself conspicuous just for a moment so that we can say thank you to you. So if you are a veteran or if you currently serve the United States military, would you please stand for just a moment so that we might say thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you all. Let's, let's join together now and pray and pray for our veterans and our military. Father, thank you for these men and women who have served so that our freedoms can be protected and so that our country can be secure. Thank you for those who are still on the front lines who make sure that uh, threats to the security of our nation are being met. We pray for your protection, and we pray, Father, for um, your guidance as they continue to serve and make decisions about the security of our nation. And Father, we do pray for our nation. We had election day, and it shows that we are still divided, and we will only find unity in you. So God, please lead us to be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're beginning a new message series entitled, Let Go. Let Go. And this message series is based on the life of a real person in the Bible. Her name is Hannah. And her story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, would you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1? And leave your Bibles open. We're going to look at several passages in that first chapter as we move through the series. And here's what we're gonna learn from Hannah's life over the next three weeks. We're gonna learn the only way to be fulfilled is to let go of your desires. The only way to be fulfilled in life is to let go of your desires. This is very counterintuitive because we have been taught the way to achieve your desires is to go for it. Reach for your dreams, aspire to more. But here's what we see over and over in Scripture, and we really see it in the life of Hannah. Let go of your desires so you can be fulfilled. Now, um, we need a little background to help make sense of the story, and I want to share that background with you. Uh, Hannah is the wife of a man named Elkanah. Now, Elkanah has another wife named Penaniah. Uh, this is one of the stories in the Bible where it is not telling you what to do. Okay, so if you're a man and you are listening to this story, this is not permission to go and get another wife. I don't recommend it. It causes more trouble than you can imagine. Um, by the way, just kind of an interesting note. Everyone in the Bible who has more than one wife winds up miserable. Take a lesson. All right, moving on. Uh, this uh, Elkna guy uh, is a God follower. Follower. So he goes every year 
to the tabernacle and he offers an offering, an animal. And the custom was you would offer that animal, part of it would be burned up, that was God's part, and part of it you would take and eat. And that's a big deal because they did not have meat that often in their meals. And so when he did this, uh, Penaniah, who had children, would receive a portion and uh, she would get a portion for each of her kids. And there's this interesting note in chapter one of 1 Samuel that Elkanah loved Hannah and gave her a double portion. It's almost like Elkanah says, okay, I know that you want kids. I know that your purpose as a woman in this culture is to have children and you don't have any children, so I'm gonna make it up to you by giving you an extra piece of steak. This is the way men think. Uh, this is where we're going to pick up the story in verse 6, chapter 1, 1 Samuel. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Now, Hannah is going to be brought to a spiritual moment, a spiritual encounter. She's going to pray. But I want you to see what brings her to this moment of prayer. The first thing that happens is she is getting provoked. She is getting irritated. So Penaniah, the wife with the kids provokes her, irritates her, picks on her. Do you have anybody in your life who picks on you just to provoke you? I, I didn't ask for you to raise hands, but okay, some of you, some of you already have. Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? It happens. You have that person at work. Sometimes it's an older brother. Sometimes it's a younger brother. You know, it happens. And when it happens, it is a cue that you need to pay attention. I want you to also notice what drives Hannah to prayer. Uh, there's a pattern. This happens year after year. And she has deep emotion. She is sad. She feels shame because she's not able to fulfill her function as a woman in that culture. And Alkna offers her comfort, which really isn't very comforting. I mean, can you hear how absurd this is? Does this not sound like the way a guy would think? Why are you downcast? Why are you brokenhearted? I'm giving you extra steak. And besides that, aren't I worth more to you than 10 sons? Here is a piece of marital advice to every man. When your wife is weeping, do not say to her, aren't I more important to you than your sadness? That does not help. And you thought you wouldn't get anything out of church today. Now, Hannah begins to pray, and she's going to teach us how to pray. This is in verse 9. Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now, the significance of this is in that day and time when you had the meal, the fellowship meal with God, which is what this meal at the tabernacle represent, represents, when you had that fellowship meal, uh, nobody got up until the dad got up. So Hannah is breaking the social order. And we're told that Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair 
by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. In this story, Hannah teaches us how to pray. And there's four lessons we need to learn. Here's the first one. Deal in reality. Here's reality, Lord. Here's the situation. I have been provoked by the other wife. I am miserable. I don't have any children. This is supposed to be why I am on earth. So God, I don't know what to do. Do you think Hannah is angry? Do, do, do you think she's shamed? Do you think she's ticked? And I want you to notice her prayer is not pretty. When you pray, dealing in reality, you get to the raw emotion. Hannah's prayer is not, oh Lord, thou great God, I am ticketh. She prays weeping in deep bitterness. Are you dealing in reality when you pray? You know, so here's some clues. When you are irritated, that's when you need to pray. When people get under your skin because they know that you have a place of hurt and they pick, they pick, that's a cue to start praying. When there is a pattern, when you start saying to yourself, I just think, I don't think I can put up with this any longer. When you start saying, I can't believe I put up with this for five years. That is a cue to start praying. When you carry deep emotion, when you find yourself weeping, sad, when you feel emotionally heavy, when you feel shame, when you feel inadequate, when your emotions interfere with you experiencing the joyful presence of God, when you say, God, why is my life this way? When you say, God, I don't understand, it's a cue to pray. And when the comfort that is offered to you doesn't comfort you, that is a cue to pray. Have you ever noticed people will offer you comfort? They will say things like, you know, you're really better off without him. You're really better off without her. <laughs> or if they say something like, you know, time will heal all wounds. Or if they say, you know, you'll get over it. I, I remember when I was 14 and my girlfriend broke up with me and my mother said, you know, honey, it's only puppy love. I said, but it's real to the puppy. When comfort gets offered to you, when somebody like Elkna says, aren't I worth more to you than 10 sons? That's a cue to pray. Now, you may be wondering at this point, well, why do I have to pray if God already knows what's going on? Because prayer is not a transaction. Prayer is about a connection. It's about a relationship. And so if you want a healthy relationship, whether we're talking about relationship with your kids or your marriage, family, 
or with God, you've got to deal in reality. So God wants to have a conversation with you. And in the process of that conversation, you're gonna learn something about God, you're gonna learn something about yourself. That means you've gotta live a self-aware life. You actually have to pause and say, why do I feel the way I feel? And if you don't know why you feel the way you feel, you've got to pray until you get some understanding. Now here's the second thing Hannah's prayer teaches us about prayer. It teaches us to connect the real you with the real God. Connect the real you to the real God. Uh, Who is Hannah praying to? She prays to the Lord Almighty. The word Almighty in Hebrew is the word Sabaoth. It means God of the armies. You see, have you ever noticed in cartoons that that God is often depicted as this old man with flowing white hair and a flowing beard that's white? Have you ever noticed that? And he kind of looks like he's he's got he needs a walker or a cane. I want you to get a picture in your mind of who you're really praying to. You are praying to the God of heaven's armies. I want you to see him seated on his throne and behind him are millions of angels ready to do his will. You are praying to the mighty king, the almighty God, the one who has power and is able to intervene in this world, who hears you. If you believe in a big God, you will pray big prayers. But if your God is too small, what size will your prayers be? They'll be small. So make sure you're connecting to the real God. And Hannah's praying and she says, God, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember me. She says it twice. Why is she saying, don't forget me? Remember in the ancient world, they didn't have cameras on their phones. Of course, none of us had cameras on our phones until about 15 years ago. And and so when you would go on a long journey, what people would do before they left is they would go to those they loved most and they would say, don't forget me. Don't forget me. And, And the people they were leaving would take the person's face and hold it. And they would get very close. And they would memorize that face. It was a way of saying, even if you were a thousand miles away from me, I will remember you. Hannah is saying to God, God, I I don't really feel a big connection, but I want it. I want you to remember me. And Lord, I'm going to stay connected to you. Just, Just think with me. She makes this vow. If you give me a son, I will give him back to you. If you give me a son, I will give him into your care. No razor will ever touch his head. And that sounds strange to us. But it was a sign in that day that that her son, if it was given, if he was given, that that son would be a Nazarite. That that son would be one given over to God. Hannah wants to connect her reality, the real her, to the real God. And when you connect to God, it means you can count on comfort and you can have confidence that God is listening to you. He's engaging with you. And when you connect to the real God, it means you can trust that whatever wound you have, 
does not define your life or your relationship with God. And when you connect to the real God, it means you are empowered that God is for you, not against you. How do you lose connection with God? You lose connection with God when you say, well, I just think I'll do this on my own. I'll just handle this myself. You, you lose connection with God when you say, you know, God, this really isn't my fault. It's somebody else's fault. So you change them. You lose connection with God when you withdraw. And you say, well, God hasn't answered my prayer the way I want him to answer my prayer, so I guess maybe he's not there or doesn't exist or he doesn't care about me. So here's a prayer you might want to think about praying. It goes like this. Father, no matter what response I get from you, I'll stay connected to you. God, I'm going to pray this, but even if you say no, or even if you say wait, I still want to be connected to you. That makes sure that you're dealing with God as a person in a relationship, not merely as a transaction. Now, here's the third thing we can learn about God and about prayer from Hannah, and that is make your request. Make your request. This is where we start. If I had been praying this prayer, I probably would have said, now, Lord, here's my list. Here's what I want. But it is not where Hannah starts. Hannah starts by saying, Lord, here's my reality. Here's my pain. And then she goes to God, I know who you really are. And did you notice in the Lord's prayer? Did you notice Jesus does not start by telling us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. But he starts with, our Father relationship, who art in heaven, how big you are, hallowed be thy name. You're different than me. Lay the groundwork for your request. But Hannah makes it, and she makes it very plain. Give me a son. Give me a son. God, this is what I want. So what do you really need to ask for? What do you really need to ask for? Maybe, maybe it's like, you know, I just really don't feel very close to my spouse. I feel like there's some tension in the marriage. So God, would you please help me get close to my spouse? Let's unpack this. What are you really asking for? Do you want the closeness in the marriage? Or are you really praying, now Lord, I don't feel close to my spouse, fix her. See, see, when you really get down, just start, start somewhere. Lord, I want closeness in this marriage. God may say, great, I've been waiting for you to talk about that. Let's start with you. Lord, no, let's start with her. Yeah, but I want to start with you. With your kids. Lord, I, I'm, my kids, I'm afraid they're taking the wrong path. They're choosing the wrong things. God, I don't know what to do. God, will you show me how to change my children? What do you think God's going to say? I have a hunch God may say, okay, let's start with you as a parent. And let's recognize the child you're worried about is 45 years old. You can't ground them. What can you do? 
you can give them to me. You can ask me to do in their lives what you don't even know needs to be done. Let's say you're worried about your finances. Lord, here's what I want. I, I, I am in financial mess. I need some help. So Lord, I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. And if you'll let me live that one, win that one, two billion dollar, I know it's already been won, but, and it was in California of all places. But it, it, Lord, just let me win that two billion dollar jackpot. And I promise, I promise, Lord, if you'll let me win, I'll, I'll give some of that money to you. Okay, you start there, you start there. But what then if, if God comes to you and says, great, glad you recognize you've got some financial problems, you're not gonna win the lottery. Because frankly, a billion dollars would ruin your life. And I don't want that for you. And you say, God, please, just try me, try me, try me, try me, try me. And, and then God says, no, 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 no. What we're actually gonna do is we're gonna start looking <laughs> at you dealing in reality. And here's the reality. This is how much you make and this is how much you're spending. God, 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 the, my boss is driving me nuts. Smite him, oh Lord, with your power. <laughs> Just looking around to see if any Alice Drive employees are, are laughing at that joke. Um, what, if, what if God comes to you and says, great, I wanna change your attitude and teach you how to love your enemies. Lord, I don't think of my boss as an enemy, just as, as someone who annoys me and provokes me and irritates me, like Penaniah and Hannah. You see how this works? You see? I, I think one of the major blocks we have in our prayer life is we're not courageous enough to make the real ask because we're afraid God will give us the real answer. So what do you need to ask God for? Now, Hannah is praying, and her lips are moving, but no sound is coming out. And Eli, who's the priest in charge of the tabernacle, wakes up from his nap, I guess, and, and sees this woman praying, and her lips are moving, and there's no sound. And he says, woman, are you drunk? Do you get the feeling that the men in this story are clueless? You know... <laughs> And she says, uh, sir, I'm not drunk. My heart is broken. And at this point, Eli says, oh, whoops. Uh, I'm going to pray for God to answer your prayer. Have a nice day. And this is how Hannah responds. This is real fascinating. Look in verse 18. She says, this is back to Eli, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something. Remember? She was so downhearted she couldn't eat. Never have experienced that myself. And her face was no longer downcast. She no longer felt that sense of shame. What's happened? What's happened for her? She has prayed until she found peace. This is the fourth thing Hannah teaches us about prayer. Pray until you have peace. There's an interesting play that's going on here. Um, Hannah says to Eli, let your servant find favor. The word favor can also be translated as grace. The name Hannah means grace-filled one. Do you think Hannah has felt much grace in her life? Do you think she's felt some judgment in her life? 
Do you think she's felt some shame in her life? But she has prayed to the point that now she is actually asking this priest, hey, pray for me to find some grace. And, and there's a burden. You get the sense there's a burden that is lifted. Old song. Do you remember this song? Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Pray until you have peace. Now, don't confuse peace with the absence of pain. You can feel injured, you can feel hurt, and still have peace. Because peace is a deep sense of well-being. So whatever injury I am experiencing in the moment, I know that God Almighty and the armies have my back. Just because you hurt now does not mean you can't have peace. Pray until peace comes. Sometimes you pray and you may say, God, help me understand. You may say, God, why did this have to happen? And you may never find the answer, but you can still find the peace because peace is not found in the answers. Peace is found in the relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the peace that Jesus offers us. This is the peace that is ours. When we have placed our lives in his care, when we have asked him to forgive our sins, and that peace was bought by his body being broken on a cross and his blood being shed for our sins. And that's why we're going to pause right now in the middle of this sermon and remember the source of our peace. So I hope all of you got one of these little containers. If you didn't, if you'll raise your hand real quick, our deacons will make sure you get one. And if you will, take the part of the little container that has the bread and then take that bread out and just hold it for a minute. I don't want you to think about this. That Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. I think Jesus wanted us to do this because he knew there would be something that would happen to us when we actually physically intake the bread. It's a reminder that the peace has to be inside of us. It's not external to us. The night before Jesus died, this is what he said to his disciples. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Oh, Jesus wants to give you peace. So pray until you have that peace. Will you remember that and take an eat? Then will you take this container and turn it over, peel back that seal over the juice. His blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin, opened the path for us to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. The price for our sins was paid. We now can call our Heavenly Father, Father, because of the peace that Jesus bought for us by His blood. And that is why the Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 4. 
do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When you're anxious, go to your heavenly Father and say, I need your peace. And I know that peace will guard my heart, my mind, because Jesus' blood bought my peace. Will you remember that and take and drink? So this is Hannah's prayer. She deals in reality. She prays her real self to the real God. She makes her request and she prays until she has peace. And she did not get up from her prayer pregnant. It would take time. But we are told this in verse 20. In the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. The the name Samuel means God hears because he does. One philosopher theologian wrote, the most honest prayer you can pray is God, I do not feel like praying. It's the most honest prayer we can pray. And maybe that's where we start and say, God, I feel overwhelmed and I don't know what's going on, but God, I'm praying to you. And we, we accept that God may tell us no or he may tell us wait. Maybe he will tell us yes, but whatever he tells us, he will do so knowing what is best for us. So what do you need to pray for? What does your prayer need to be? Let's start here. Maybe today you have come into this room and you're flooded and you, you just had a lot of stuff fall in on you the last week. I've had weeks like that. So maybe you start by saying, Father, this is reality. This is reality. Father, reality is as I'm mad. Father, the reality is I feel inadequate. Father, the reality is I am depressed. God, I am tired of getting told that I'm not enough for people. Or I'm tired of, of feeling like, like I don't matter. Start with reality. And maybe that's where you need to start. Maybe today you need to pray and say, Father, I'm going to stay connected to you. God, I've made some big asks. And no matter what you tell me, I'm going to stay connected to you. You may even have to confess and say, Lord, I'm guilty of asking and leaving. Which is treating God like Amazon. You say, God, I'm going to stay engaged with you. I am not going to disconnect with you. Maybe today you just need to be plain and blunt and say, God, this is what I want. You know, it may not be rational, but it's a starting place. Maybe it is something you're anxious about. And Paul said we should present those requests to God. So here's what I want to invite you to do. In front of you in Loring Mill, in the chair pocket, there is a white three by five card. If you would get that out. If you are at Pacala campus or Bishopville campus, You were handed one of these when you came into the worship area. Would you get that out? 
If you're watching online, just get a piece of paper uh, or take out your phone, make a note. I want you to think this morning about one thing you need to ask God for. What is one thing you need to ask God for? And you say, well, I've got two things to ask God for. Okay, ask him for one this morning and come back Monday night and ask for the second one. I'm just kidding. I want you to write it on the card. You don't have to put your name on it, but I just want you to write it on the card and then hold it because in a moment I'm going to ask you to do something with it. So just write down one request that you would make. Maybe it's about our country. Maybe it's about your family. Maybe it's about your health. What is the one thing you want to ask God for? Remember, Paul said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, present your requests to God. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Now, I want to make an ask of you. I want you to add to things that you are thinking about praying for. I want to ask you to pray for our church. I want to ask you to pray for our church and pray about some of these things. In five weeks, we're going to move into our Pacala campus. Five weeks. And that's going to be a good day, but we're going to need volunteers. We, we are praying for that campus to double in size in a year. Not because we want to brag on the size, but we're praying for it to double in size because there's a lot of people who need to take a next step toward Jesus. We need a campus pastor. I, I want you to pray for our church, uh, for our Bishopville campus. We need better space to meet in. The space we've got right now at Bishopville, guys, you're doing great, but we don't have anywhere to put children. And we need space for our kids and kids ministry. I want you to pray that we will have a strong year in giving particularly to the Pacala Building Fund. Every dollar we receive between now and the end of the year is one less dollar we have to borrow. Have you seen interest rates? So we need, we need, we need to, to have God's people be faithful. And most importantly, we need to have 120 people say, I want to join the Alice Tribe Prayer Team. I, I would... I would, we're praying for 120 people to join the Alice Strike prayer team. And what that means is that you will pray every day for our church and for our needs. And you can sign up at the Missions Cafe here at Loring Mill. There are tables in the lobbies at the campuses. If you're watching online, you can sign up in the chat box. But I really want to encourage you to do that. And let me be honest with you. Um, if you ask me right now, would I rather have a million dollars to pay on the Pacala building or 120 people praying daily for the church? What would I take? The answer? Both. <laughs> but honestly, I know that 120 people praying is far more precious than a million bucks. So will you pray for our church? And here's the last prayer you might want to pray. You might pray, Father, bring me peace.
bring me some peace. I'm going to let go of my desire. I'm going to put it in your hands. And I'm going to keep letting go of it because I don't know about you, but for me, letting go is a process. I got to let go and let go and let go some more. I'm going to let go and put it in your hands. So today, some of you need peace with God. You need to establish your relationship with God. You may know about God. You may have even at one time been baptized. But I just want to ask you to do a heart check and make sure that the peace of God is really guiding you. And if you've never really had an authentic relationship with Jesus, I I want to encourage you to do that today. Start that relationship. Pray, God, I need to be at peace with you. Would you forgive my sin and come into my life? I give my life to you. I want to follow Jesus. That's starting you on the path of peace. And I also want to encourage you today to present your request to God. So in a moment, during the last song, I'm going to invite you to join others, what others have already done. I want to invite you to bring your request here. This is a physical action. You don't have to do this, but I think it helps. A physical action of actually bringing your request and laying it here and saying, God, I'm leaving this with you. I'm letting go of it. Now, if you don't feel led to do that, you feel uncomfortable, there's no pressure to do it. But I think it's a way to physically act out what Paul told us to do. Present your request to God. Now, if you're in Bishopville or at Bacala, there's a table up front. And you go and you lay your card on that table. If you're watching online, um, I want to encourage you to text your prayer request to a special phone number. And that phone number is 803 720-9711, 803-720-9711. And let me tell you what's going to happen with these. This week, our prayer team is going to pray for each one of these requests individually. They're not going to come in here and go, Lord, answer all these requests. They're going to look specifically at yours. There's going to be a moment this week where somebody's going to pray for your request. And I can't wait to see what God does. Because when you let go, when you put it in God's hands, that's when your deepest desires are fulfilled. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a very good God, mighty God of the universe the one who knows all things. And Father, we come to you now and we present our request to you. I don't know what everyone's request is, but I know, God, that you want to hear our requests. So we give them to you. And I pray especially for people who don't yet have peace with you, that today they would invite Jesus to be their Savior and Lord. And so, Father, teach us now in this moment what it means to let go. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.